Beer, 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 beer. Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister with you. Last week, we talked indoor brewing and converting to uh, bring your operation indoors because it's cold out. It's been uh, cold. Yep. Although, we had a nice little uh, melt, nice little thaw there for a couple of days, but it was wet. Yeah. And I no, was... This is never fun. I mean, we've been talking about this was cleaning up the backyard. We both have dogs yeah. and this constant, like, you know, a little bit of snow covering up all those landmines and then freezing hard to the yard it's not really fun to deal with yeah. plus you got all the mud tracking in the house yeah. not just from the dog and if i'm gonna brew outside i don't want to do outside cold wet brewing you want it to be crisp out yeah. so it's been a little nicer for that 30 anyway. degrees and no wind yeah perfect exactly all right so that's last week converting to indoor if you want to uh, get into that we're going to talk about baltic porters and some of the new hops uh, that you guys have as well today but for before we do that uh let's get some housekeeping in Amber Waves of Grain, the AWOG homebrew competition, the big daddy for uh, this area. The deadline for your entries is March 31st. The competition is in mid-April, so counting down, 63 days left and tons of styles that you can brew. Is is AWOG the biggest variety of styles? There's all styles are available. You 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 see a lot of competitions where they try to – limit their flight so that you have a lot of common beers or maybe if there's a prize like so we're talking about the taste of buffalo one they looked at all light styles because they were going to brew the beer uh as the competition winner but when you go to awog all styles listed under the bjcp are available as well as there's some places like historic style experimental where if you have a beer that's a real style bender it doesn't seem to fit into any style that you can throw it in there as well and with 63 days left you still have a lot of styles on the table maybe not the baltic porter we're talking about you'd really be pushing it but there's still a lot of beers that you can brew between now and then yeah the 12th annual Art of Beer coming up as well. That's going to be March 9th. It's the uh, Western New York's original beer tasting event. It's beer and food, 20-plus vendors, 75 menu items, more than 75, $35 pre-sale tickets, and the proceeds go to uh, the Niagara Arts and Cultural Center. I always get one of the C's wrong. You got it right. That's the one, you got it right. right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a great venue, a great event. You know, come hungry. Not only is there beer, but the food is included, which is a little bit rare for some of these events. So you will leave happy and not hungry. So come on down. Thirty-five bucks pre-sale. The tickets are available on the NACS website. So the NACC.org, mm-hmm. uh, or you can stop in a couple of different venues, including us, and you can pick them up at that pre-sale price and be holding your ticket so that you're not in the will call line as you're watching your friends try all the special beers right inside the door. So let's talk about some new hop rhizomes that you've got. You, you've got. Um, well, it's, we don't have them yet. Okay, good. I, I just want to put them? the thought into your mind because we always end up getting them a lot early than you think, partially because a lot of the other places where they are are pulling the rhizome from the soil is a little bit warmer so they're a little bit ahead of the season on us and they also are a very early growing plant so the farmers are looking out for you they're trying to get the plants while the soil is still a little bit frosty um, and then they're going to get them to you before you hit any growing season so what we usually do is we send out two email newsletters and we have kind of two sets of rhizomes that we end up putting on the website so first you're going to get all the varieties we have are guaranteed and we'll say the kind of 
varieties you're used to, Cascade, Hallertau, Columbus, um, a lot of your common varieties will get early and will get notification that they're going to be available early. So you'll see a price. They'll be available on the website for pre-order. You can reserve them at that point. Um, but then, usually about two to three weeks later, a couple of weeks before we actually get the rhizomes in, we'll get a second kind of notification of the what is not so ordinary and what's available. So the big one that everybody was excited about last year was Comet, which we sold out fairly quickly. We didn't have a lot of pre-orders. A lot of people wanted to come in, brew a beer with Comet hops because they had never used it before. But once they tried it, they kind of came back in and cleared out the rhizomes. So... I would suggest if there's a certain variety that you absolutely know you want, go ahead and pre-order it early. Otherwise, if you only have one spot to plant and you don't know exactly what you're going to want, you may want to wait till that second pre-order. But either way, you want to get your hands on your rhizomes as early as possible and get them in the ground as early as possible. I see a lot of like potted rhizomes being sold now, which is something a little bit strange to me. So these are like second-year rhizomes. But in a small pot like that, they really don't have the ability to grow a large rhizome. And anybody who's ever grown hops will know what that rhizome looks after one or two years in the ground. So getting it in early is going to work out a lot better than getting a pre-established plant for you or trying to pre-start it in a pot. So try to get your hands on them early. Decide, start thinking now where you're going to plant them, how many places you want, what you might do to trellis them. Um, because it's going to come faster than you think. Okay. And then as soon as you're sitting in the normal kind of gardening period of the spring, not that you can't pl- plant the rhizomes, but you're already getting a little bit late. Now, the actual hop rhizomes you have, Vic Secret, Austin? These, uh, these, these are just new hops that we have. So these are some hops that have come in. Uh, there's been other hops that we've gotten that are new. I guarantee you that these kinds of hops you're not going to see rhizomes. That's what I was about to ask. A long yeah. Time. Yeah, a yeah. little miscommunication on our sheet here. I was going to say, like, these are pretty uh, exotic hops. You know, Australia. Um, just uh, wondering about, like, trying to grow non-native hops in this area is – a little bit. It's probably going to be a little bit harder. I don't know. We are in like the hot belt, so we're in the prime area. Um, I've never had any variety that I couldn't get going. Now, the one thing is that there's been some failures in there. So by the time maybe I'm on my second or third rhizome trying to get a variety going, I've learned a lot, and I'm you know really acclimating the soil and trying to help it as much as I can. Um, if it, it does like a little bit warmer of a climate or mm-hmm. less humidity, but that said. If somebody's willing to get me a galaxy rhizome, I'm willing to try. Mm, <laughs> um, right. But uh, yeah, no, I could see if you, I think eventually you will see some of these Australian rhizomes coming over to the States, uh, getting grown in the States, and then branching off from there. Um, but I think that's, I wouldn't hold your breast for it. So okay. if you have a plant you want, or a spot you want to plant hops, don't hold out for galaxy or mosaic or any of these citra, these hops that are, uh, you know, trademarked and really the rhizomes are, you know, kept on a tight lock. Okay. So I wouldn't hold your breath for them. But we have the the hops in the store on pellet form. So if you want to come give them a try, we got plenty of them. And we do have some new hops. So the first one, Vic Secret, Victoria Secret more, I think, talking about the state in Australia. But it's supposed to have a lot of the same flavors 
uh, maybe a little bit lighter and a little more subtle that you find in Galaxy. It's also got that really high alpha acid of 14 to 17%. So if you're using a lot of Galaxy and it's kind of breaking the budget and you have you know recipes that you kind of count on the Galaxy for, you might want to try throwing this in there as a substitution because Galaxy is expensive. It's not always readily available um, and so this might be a good substitution we actually have a smash pale ale going with this at the store right now so it should be on tap in the next couple of days here uh, so if you want to give it a try come on in so here's another hop that's new um, that we're kind of personally excited about because it was formerly called Nuggetzilla and uh uh, Nugget is one of my favorite hops, one of Kevin's favorite hops. Uh, if you've ever had Trogue's Nugget Nectar, it's loaded with them. Uh, and it is actually kind of a hybrid Old World German hop with kind of some American sea hop characteristics. But there's a new U.S. hop coming out. It's an experimental variety. But they actually gave it a name this time. So we could call it 06277, but they actually gave it a name Denali. Um, I don't know why they didn't stick with the Nuggetzilla, it sounds yeah, a lot nugget. more exciting. <laughs> um, but that is supposed to have the kind of classic pineapple, citrus, and pine flavors and rests about 13 to 15%. So that's one that we're certainly interested in. Maybe one you might see a rhizome of one day, but there's a domestic new hop, which is something we haven't had in a little while. Okay. The next one from New Zealand is Dr. Rudy, and this used to be called Super Alpha. Um, and has been around actually for quite a while, but we really haven't seen it, you know, popularity or at least distribution inside the United States. Um, so it was originally bred from New Zealand stocked, and its name was changed to Dr. Rudy from Smooth Cone in 2012. Um, it's supposed to have kind of resin, pine, and lemongrass uh, aromas. And this one was actually... And the reason you haven't heard from it, and, and this is true as I think of a lot of other hops, like Nugget was one of those varieties. Columbus wasn't on the tips of everybody's tongue until it was put into IPAs. It was originally used to bitter beers like Jenny Cream Ale or Budweiser. Um, so you didn't really see it used and kind of characterized until you saw it used in IPAs. And Dr. Rudy is the same kind of factor here. It was originally bred to um, kind of produce like very clean low hopped beer so mm -hmm. the idea is use a high hop you know just like columbus or warrior use a tiny bit and you shouldn't get any kind of resiny or kind of you know secondary flavors from the hop uh and that's where the dr rudy comes from um now that's being used in ipas we're seeing a lot more of those kind of intense like kind of pine and lemongrass flavors and it's becoming a lot more popular okay all right and so the last one i like that one dr rudy yeah, no, it's going like, to, that one, they, they, I think they have a, a good name change there. Yeah. The yeah. Nuggetzilla, I, I would love to have that. But on this next one sounds like a very unique hop. The, yes. Is it Jarolo? Jar, I, we, so there's a little bit of contradiction on this online. You know what I mean? And I have to admit, I look for pronunciations all over the place. And, and every place that you went that was describing this hop had its kind of own pronunciation for it. And the one that I seem to come across the most was Jarillo. Jarillo. Yeah. And uh, the name comes from, or at least the stories that I found, from the Slavic god of fertility and springtime. Oh. So there's a nice backstory yeah. for a hop. Um, but it's supposed to have kind of banana pear um aromas so that's a little bit different the kind of banana excites me a little bit but they say this kind of hoppy light beer so like pale ale saisons like you know belgian blondes like lighter beers that have a fair amount of hops in it um we also have some of this one in its you know 
uh, taken a lot of interest. Uh, a couple of our staff members were asking about it. A couple of our customers asked about it kind of all of a sudden. Um, and so we were able to get some in. It's, it's kind of rare when people start asking about a hop. We haven't heard of it before. And then we turn to kind of look, and it's immediately available through a wholesaler. Yeah. And in this case, it was. So that's another interesting one that we should experiment with and probably going to be the next smash pale ale to come on the kegerator that'll be so, exciting like a couple of weeks okay very good jarillo and these are all available right now. these are all you, available you right all. now yep what, what is if i can just ask what is the rarest or the most i don't know expensive or hardest to get hop that there is well see there's a, a little bit of supply and demand like this so you immediately people would point towards galaxy because when they go into their homebrew shop when they go online of the popular hops, it's fetching the highest price. Um, but there's a demand for it, which means they're shipping it over. There's yeah. distribution for it. And that actually lowers the price a little bit. Because I know I've tried to find a lot of weird hops over the years. And one I think about is one I tried to find, I think, about two years ago was English Archer. Um, and when I went to look, if you know, I couldn't find individually – I wanted, I think, like three to four ounces to play around with, maybe enough for one, like, uh, English pale ale and one bitter. Um, I could only find one-pound packages of last year's leaf hops. Hmm. That was all I could find to in order to get shipped to the United States. And so it just really wasn't, because I don't know what the shipping was going to be all the way from England on one pound of Archer, um, hops plus it's only one pound of leaf hops so uh, it's not going to be fun for repackaging you know what i mean it's going to be screwing up any beer where i want to use a lot i'm not going to get great efficiency and it was already a year old so you have that worry that you spend all this money you spend all this time you know what i mean you might have to go pick this up at some type of like you know uh, uh broker and then it would be bad so while you look at you know stuff like Amarillo and a lot of these um, kind of trademarked hops, you know, Galaxy, Mosaic. Uh, there's a lot of others that are not nearly as popular that if you actually wanted to get your hands on could be a lot more expensive. Um, so it does, the price does go up from Galaxy, you know, does go up from Jarillo and some of these other hops. There is more expensive stuff out there, whether it's worth it is its whole own category. I never ended up buying the pound of Archer. I didn't see it worth the risk, the headache, um, but I keep looking for it. So maybe one day it will be available in pallets, and, you know, then I might take the, the jump. All right. Very good. Good stuff on hops. All right, when we get back, uh, Baltic Porter. You want to talk about Baltic Porters. It's a great kind of beer to drink right around this time of year and this temperature. And brew. So. That's, and a, brew. that's a strength. That's not a common, you know, occurrence. Yeah. Where the drinking time and the brewing time is the same for They meet up. Well, that's time. Baltic Porter next here on... Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. 
All right, welcome back to Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. We're going to get you into brewing a Baltic Porter. And this is a little bit of an interesting beer, and it kind of ties into a beer that we talked about around a similar time last year, the Russian Imperial Stout. So the Russian Imperial Stout is uh, the beer that was the English export to you know Poland, Russia, Sweden, Finland, and it was a big, strong stout that was able to hold the travel. So we're talking 18th, 19th century. This is before pasture, you know, you know, uh, work and, and filtering beer and stuff like that, keeping it cold around the route. So they needed a beer that not only wouldn't go bad, wouldn't oxidize, but also wouldn't freeze. Um, so they made a very, very strong stout and began exporting it. And for these colder regions, it, it hit off very well. Um, but just like we talked about with the Archer, you know, supply, demand, and travel is a big cost. So if you talk any home any home brewer from the or any craft beer fan from say like the like you know nineties, um, craft beer was really expensive. You could pay five dollars. I remember when I first got into brewing, I made Cooper's kits, and I would want to go get Cooper's beer because they make their own beer. They're a big brewing company, um, and you would find it rarely at Premier. It would be four to five dollars a bottle for Cooper's Lager, which is like the kind of like, you know, low shelf beer in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I was paying five bucks a bottle for the equivalent of like Jenny Light. Um, so just to try it, it was interesting, but that was true for any other beers. If you wanted like Courage Imperial Stout, take whatever the price is and add five bucks on it to get it here. And plus, because it was a small market, and not a lot of people were buying these beers. It you know, again, drove the price up. And so you were seeing the same thing happen in 18th and 19th century Europe as these English beers, these stouts and porters were being moved eastward. The price was going up and up and up. And so what brewers began to do is make their own version. So starting in Sweden, moving all the way to, you know, Poland, Russia, and further east, you would see these dark beers kind of mimicking the English styles, but brewed often with kind of the local flavor, at least some of the local ingredients, to keep the price down. Um, So you started out in Sweden with kind of beers that very closely resembled the English porters. They were made with top-cropping yeast. They were usually a little bit lower uh, in alcohol, one that I believe is still available is the Carnegie Stark Porter, um, and that's one that you can actually get your hands on. Um, and this would probably blend in well with most English porters. Now, as you begin to move east, the kind of spectrum of what you're getting gets wider and wider. And the other one that we can still get today is the, the Polish Zwiak, uh, uh Porter, um, which is like an imperial you know, dark beer that has more similarities to, say, like an imperial Swartz and its English namesakes. Okay. It's big. It's strong. It's got these toffee aromas. It doesn't have much coffee kind of flavor in it uh, and really is kind of its own beast from the, you know, completely changed over from the original English. And it is brewed with a lager yeast, which most of these Baltic region porters are because it's cold. Yeah. And these English, like, top cropping ale yeast that need, you know, temperatures up to into the 70s to get even like 75% attenuation, just don't quite cut it in these colder climates with these bigger beers. So they began using their traditional lager yeast. Where does a Dunkel fit in with all this? Dunkel, uh, the German dark. Yeah. Um, I I had a malty Dunkel last week and it felt like 
um, like it was halfway to a stout or a porter. I mean, I, I know German, you know, things in Germany are much different, obviously, because of the laws and how that all works. So they can't have quite the diversity. But um, it was just a reminder of like close, like a cousin, like an offshoot. Yeah, yeah. Order. Schwartz beer is close yeah. as well. Um, really, if I think of a beer that most resembles a Baltic porter is a Doppelbach to me because it doesn't have always have that extreme like you know coffee or chocolate flavor. Um, but the thing that sets the Baltic porter, if you if you had to look at it aside to me, is it's really not that sweet in the finish. It has wonderful mouthfeel. It has not really burnt flavors, and that's the style. It has kind of chocolate and toffee and kind of subtler flavors. Um, but it is big. It's high alcohol, but because of that lager yeast, so sometimes like the, the Dunkel Bach will be fermented with the lager yeast, but the like the Dunkel Weizen will be fermented with a wheat yeast, so it's a little bit fruitier. It's a little bit sometimes sweeter in the long run, partially from the wheat. Um, but the in Baltic Porter had a big mouth feel, not super sweet. Um, does have some of the kind of toffee and, like I said, chocolate flavors, but not the burnt flavors you associate with, like, English porters. Um, and it's its 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 own beast. And so it's, it's definitely an interesting beer to try to make, and it's a good one to age, too. And so this time of year, when it's cold, you have already been brewing, so you probably have some beer stacked up in the kegerator. This will be a good one to brew, bottle, and then age. And not only can you drink it, you know, before spring this year, but you'll be able to drink it come winter next year as well. So as you start to kind of look at what really separates this, again, it's that kind of lack of, like, black malt. Um, and, and kind of some of the others, like, really dark malts, if you were to enter a Baltic porter in, is really going to set it off. And that's because of those burnt flavors. The the classic examples are, are kind of more sweet, more to the dark crystals, light chocolate malts, um, than they are those kind of black malts that you see in imperial stouts and porters, which is where it gets its namesake from. So the one thing that I think of when I think of, you know, imperial stouts and Baltic or regular English or imperial porters, like you think of uh, even Edmund Fitzgerald, you think of that intense coffee, mm-hmm. burnt kind of flavor. It's the one thing that you really don't have in a Baltic Porter. So the one thing that you think of for the classic style that where this beer came from really didn't end up there in the long run. So before we run out of time here, we better start stop talking about the history and start talking start about how you're going to brew one because that's what this show is about. Um, the Baltic porters can be anywhere to 5 to 9%. So this beer can be as expensive or as cheap as you want it. So you can be using anywhere from 8 to 20 pounds of grain. So you're looking at, you know, uh, you know, 20 bucks to $40 for a grain bill plus your specialty malts. And because this, you're probably going to be using a lager yeast, nobody clones Baltic porter and then immediately makes the sweetest version, which is very close to the English beer. No, they go for the kind of Polish, East, you know, Russian version, which is, you know, dry, really high in alcohol. So you're going to have to think about how much yeast you're going to have to buy or if you're going to, you know, do a starter two to three days ahead because you're going to need anywhere from, you know, $750 billion to to, uh, you know, you know, 100 billion cells, or I'm sorry, million to 100, um, you know, 1 billion cells in this, you're going to need a lot of yeast. And so if you were to go and buy Y-yeast packages, you're looking at 8 to 10 packages of Y-yeast. So you could spend, you know, in theory, 70 to, you know, $100 on just your yeast for this beer if you didn't do some pre-planning. The malt's going to be fairly 
you know, simple. You want like a neutral European Pilsner malt, um, something that's going to convert really well. You're going to want to mash it really low. You know, kind of be select on your specialty malts. You want those coffee and toffee flavors without the burnt. So stick to the dark crystals, the uh, special B, the aromatic. Um, you know, you like the biscuit great beer to use a little bit of biscuit in um and kind of build with those kind of the i like to use coffee malt um in in subtle amounts subtle amounts you're gonna from the 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 amount of base malt you're putting in here um from how big this beer is you're already gonna have a fairly high terminal gravity and if you're using some munich some like bohemian pilsners you're gonna get a little husky flavor as well so be reserved these beer can, can be anywhere from like kind of a reddish to a brown. They're usually never black, so you're not putting in a ton of specialty malt. And that's really kind of where it gets quite different from the Swartz beer or the Dunkel, is it has similar flavors, but they're much more reserved and in a much bigger beer. So a little bit more reserved flavor, a lot more alcohol usually. Um, you want to go fairly aggressive on the bittering hops. Again, this is a beer that you want to age. It can, it can be up in the 40 IBU range. That's not uncommon. You can go with some finishing hops. You want to stick kind of in the noble variety, partially because they'll stick around a little bit longer, but those two will fade. So often with my kind of lager styles, I end up doing a first wort hop uh, in hopes to kind of keep a little bit more of that flavor long term. So that's the kind of recipe selection. Mm-hmm. Yeast selection is kind of limited out there. There's not a ton of Eastern European uh, lager yeast out there. So you kind of look at the you know Czech Pilsner, um, the Bohemian Pilsner. But again, the important thing is you're going to do a starter. Even if you're doing dried yeast, I do three to four 3470s, and then I run it on a 24-hour starter. So I'm starting with, you know what I mean, the, the normal pitch rate for a big IPA, a fairly big lager, and I'm running it on a you know large starter. Fermentation is going to be fairly standard. Except it's going to take forever. You want to give it a nice long diacetyl rest so that it cleans up. Uh, you know, any acetaldehyde, any, you know, flavors that kind of built up in the, the primary fermentation. You're putting the yeast through a lot of stress. Any trick you can throw at it is going to help. Again, long rest, big pitch rate, second aeration if you can. If you have an oxygen stone, use it. And then, as always, with some of these bigger styles, the most important thing is put it in the basement and let it age. This is not a beer to keg. Maybe if you're going to keg it, you want to do that Swedish style. If you're going to do the big... You know, you want to put it in a fancy, you know, bottle. You want to put it away in the basement and something that you can pull out all the way till next winter. Mm-hmm. So these beers will age well. Um, they're a nice one to have around. If you have other beers, you know, on tap, and so you're looking for something to bottle, you're looking for something to take up a bit more of your time, kind of like I do Pilsners, you know what I mean, when I have, you know, just about everything else full because I can put them away and I can know I can get them quick. Baltic Porter actually fits into that as well. There's a lot of tinkering. You're spending a lot of time on it, and you have something that you can really put away for a long time when you're done. So if you're you're fully filled up on beer, you want to brew, it's cold out, this is an excellent style for this week. All right, Baltic Porters. If you ever miss an episode, you can find them on demand at WGR550.com or ESPN1520's website as well. Stay warm. Keep brewing. We're back next week, same time, same place, here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN1520. Beer, 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 beer.
listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It. 